Good afternoon and welcome to Africa.com's Crisis Management for African Business Leaders. My name is Soko Sibia from Africa.com. It's my pleasure to introduce Africa.com Chairman and CEO, Teresa Clark. Thank you. Thank you very much, Soko. Thank you for joining us today for the seventh in our series of webinars on crisis management for African business leaders. Today, we've decided to take a break from our regular format and showcase the brilliance of African innovators who have developed products and services specifically to combat COVID-19. Um, there's one wonderful entrepreneur who did not make it to the final six, but we wanted to uh, showcase him and give you a sense of what this is all about. 18-year-old Ezidin Kamil is from Ethiopia, and he has garnered much media attention for his multiple inventions to fight COVID-19. He is a child prodigy. One of his devices addresses something that we all fight, and that is unknowingly touching our faces. We've been told not to do so because we understand that that's how the disease is transmitted and he has developed a special device to help us with this. So we'd like to just show a little bit so that you have a sense of what's to come for the rest of this session. Ezidin did not make it, but we want to give him an honorable mention. So with that, Ezidin. Hi, my name is Ezidin Kamil. I'm an inventor in Ethiopia. My COVID bracelet is plays a great role on preventing coronavirus COVID-19 spreading. It's working with accelerometer sensing. Uh, the device is like a watch with a sensor. Every time the hand approaches the device, the, de uh, the device rings, uh, reminding uh, the wearer not to touch their face to help people. So thank you very much, Ezidin, for your application, and we wish you the best of luck as you look to get your product onto the market. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce Professor Tarun Khanna of Harvard Business School. For over two decades, Professor Khanna has studied entrepreneurship development in emerging markets. His free online course, Entrepreneurship in Emerging Markets, is the most successful online course among all that are offered by Harvard Business School. Over 400,000 people throughout the world have taken this course. So we are especially privileged to have him with us today one of the world's leading experts in entrepreneurship in emerging markets. Here to share some opening remarks before our, we launch our competition today. I should also mention that the winner of the competition today will get a one-on-one -on -one mentoring session with Professor Khanna. With that, I'd like to turn it over to you, Tarun. Thank you for inviting me to give these uh, very brief opening comments to this pitch competition, Brilliant African Innovations Against COVID-19. Uh, you know, we're at a possible inflection moment in the world. I experienced it in my backyard in Boston where I'm sitting. It's a beautiful, beautiful surroundings, but we've been cordoned, uh, cordoned into our houses for the last 10 weeks. Experienced it in my home country of India. You were experiencing it in different parts of Africa. Um, you know, I'm reminded of uh, the Booker Prize winning author Arundhati Roy, uh, who wrote in a nice op-ed in the Financial Times, and I'll paraphrase, I don't remember the exact quote. It's as though the world is going through a portal, a gate of some sort. And we have two choices. We can drag the detritus, uh, the garbage of the past, the ills of society with us in an attempt to recreate what was, or we can abandon it and just think of something completely new, just reimagine the worlds. And I think this reimagination has started. And what could be more telling than your gathering here today as I understand, the biggest collection of African entrepreneurs uh, ever, uh, or the private sector, in fact. Uh, what a wonderful thing. 
Um, I applaud all of you, the organizers, for undertaking this enterprise. Uh, and even more than that, the participants for stepping up, for standing up, and for daring to be counted uh, and to have the guts to participate in creativity and entrepreneurship. Um, this is what I do. Um, I'm an academic primarily, and I try to inspire young people. Uh, Teresa was kind enough to mention my course. It's now taken by half a million people in 200 countries around the world. I encourage you to come and, come and join us uh, uh, from different developing countries all over. Um, but even in the, in the physical course uh, at Harvard, that, uh, from which that online course springs, uh, and in my own career as an entrepreneur primarily in Asia, really it's all about uh, bringing different disciplines and thought patterns together to tackle very complex social problems. What do these require? You know, I think primarily it requires a suspension of disbelief. And that, uh, that little clip that Teresa played of the 18-year-old uh, from Ethiopia brought a real big smile to my face. I have an 18-year-old just embarking for college, uh, sitting downstairs uh, you know, on the webinar, finishing his high school. Um, also a very creative entrepreneur in, in politics. He wants to enter political life. So whatever your persuasion is, you know, take on some complicated challenge dare to imagine it in a really, really big way. But then also recognize that you've got to start small, uh, just like the kid from, uh, from Ethiopia. Start small with something concrete, uh, iterate, experiment, mix it up with people who have completely different persuasions from yours, because I think that's what makes your ideas stronger. And most of all, I think also immerse yourself in the milieu in which your problem has to be solved. So that's where I have to part company with my normal academic, uh, to, to stop wearing only my academic hat, uh, because I can conceptualize. I'm an applied mathematician by training. I love doing that. I love abstraction. But at the end of the day, I also have to go into the phenomenon, to immerse myself into it. And that's what you guys are doing with this event, African solutions to African COVID problems in some ways, right? I'm involved in a tech startup that's a nonprofit tech startup that provides daily data, customized data for COVID-related policy management issues to city councilors, mayors, uh, governors, heads of state across the world, which was spontaneous. It was started by an epidemiologist friend of mine at Harvard. We all joined in. We crowdsourced a bunch of scientists from all over the world. And within 10 days, we were up and running. That's entrepreneurship, right? We don't know where it's going to go. We know it's a big problem, but we know that we start painting with single brushstrokes on this massive canvas. Something cool is really going to come out of it. Uh, and the solution that we are seeing, the way these data are being implemented by policymakers, again, mayors, city councilors, governors, in Fremont, California, um, uh, or Roxbury, Massachusetts, or Coramangla in my home city of Bangalore, a completely different solution. So also, you know, whether you're in Lagos or Joburg or Nairobi, your solutions are going to be different. That, after all, is what you're doing here. Creative pursuits for a big social problem, a pandemic. For so um, I wish you luck. Uh, I wish you an uh, enormous amount of, uh, of fun, uh, excitement, um, uh, imagination, creativity. Uh, just have a blast. And thank you again for including me in this wonderful celebration. Good luck, Teresa. Good luck, uh, uh, all of you. Thank you very much, Professor Khanna, for joining us. And thank you again for the fact that you're going to be mentoring one of our uh, winners today in a one-on-one -on -one session. We appreciate your time. We know how valuable it is. Thank you so much. So here is the uh, format for what we are doing today. Each contestant will follow the same format. Each contestant will have a, has already submitted a two minute video, which we will show to you. And then each contestant will have one minute for remarks. 
then um, they will have seven minutes with the judges, where the judges will be asking rapid fire questions for seven minutes. We're going to stick to the time very strictly today. We will not be running on African time today. We will be running strictly with a buzzer. And so we don't want to be rude, but we also don't want to provide an advantage to anyone. So we will make sure that the times are cut strictly. Um, then we want to make sure everyone knows what the prize will be today. The prize is $500 cash. There will also be, as I said, two one-on-one -on -one mentoring sessions with Professor Kana. And we at Africa.com are donating a $5,000 media package to promote your business. Let's talk about how the judges will be scoring. We want everyone to understand, and the audience, quite importantly, your views matter today as well. Our judges are going to be judging using these criteria. Business description, how well was the concept explained? Impact, is the impact against COVID-19 clearly described? demonstrating significant social and societal value and benefit. Innovation, does the concept achieve its goal in a new way? It's okay to reinvent some existing technologies as some of our entrepreneurs have in order to address the novel coronavirus. Scale, will the concept impact few or many? Can the concept be applied throughout Africa, throughout emerging markets, throughout the world? Viability, does the business have a realistic potential to succeed? And then the audience, you will have a chance at the end of the 90 minutes, you will have an opportunity to vote. And so you can choose the entrepreneur that you would like to select using these criteria. When we calculate the overall score, the audience vote will count for 25% of the total points and the judges will count for 75%. So with that, I'd like to tell you who our contestants are today. We have six contestants. Those six contestants are Dr. Wally Adioshin from Nigeria. We have Aya Diova from South Africa, Laud Basing from Ghana, Jessica Shivang from South Africa, Mary Mwangi from Kenya, and Dede Tunkara from Cote d'Ivoire. We have four fantastic judges who come to us today. We have Juliet Ahumwan, who is the director of Google, Nigeria, a position she's had for some time. We have Eric Osiwakan, managing partner of Chanzo Capital, Andy Lenkaba, the founding partner of Convergence Partners, and Adrian Vermouten, the head of digital innovation at Standard Bank. I'm going to start, um, you know, we have a lot of friends who come to help us, and I'd like to consider all of those who are joining us today as friends. Juliet is a dear friend, and um, I think about the Harvard Business School theme. Um, I first met both Juliet and Eric at Harvard Business School. Um, Juliet, I met at a Harvard Business School Africa Business Conference many years ago. And when I visited Lagos, she took me, ironically, to a pitch competition in Nigeria where she was a judge. So it felt very natural to invite her to be a judge today. Juliet has a degree in computer science from the University of Cambridge and an MBA from the London Business School. She was a manager at Microsoft UK and for nearly a decade has been Google's country manager in Nigeria. Thank you very much, Juliet, for being with us. Eric Osiakwan is another friend that I've mentioned I met at the Harvard Business School Africa Business Conference. He is an entrepreneur and an investor as the managing partner of Chanzo Capital in Ghana. He's been a fellow at Stanford, MIT, and Harvard, and he's authored a book, The King of African Digital Economy. He founded Angelist Africa, which connects angel investors to entrepreneurs across the continent. And this network has been particularly helpful in referring applicants to our platform today.
And so we'd like to thank you, Eric, for all that you've done in helping us get the word out among entrepreneurs so that we could end up with the wonderful selection that we had. It was very hard for us to choose the finalists who made it today. And that's because of the extensive network that you have in the entrepreneurial community across Africa. And we thank you for sharing that with us today. Andre Nkava is one of South Africa's most well-known and respected tech gurus. He is the founder and chairman of investment group Convergence Partners and former executive chairman of the giant Dimension Data. Andele is involved in significant new communications infrastructure projects across Africa, including CECOM, which is the first underwater um, fiber optic cable operate system serving Africa's East Coast. He's had a long list of several important infrastructure projects that his company Convergence has invested in. But in particular, I'd like to call out that Andile is also a friend and I've known Andile for many years from back when he was a youth activist in the ANC. He was a friend of Nelson Mandela and he was part of Nelson Mandela's first democratic government. He was named the Director General of the Ministry of Communications back in 1994 and has served his country in both public sector and private sector. And we're especially proud to have him join us today. Adrian Vermutten is a new friend. He is the head of digital innovation at Standard Bank, a position to which he has, was promoted just last month after serving in several related capacities over many years, including the head of digital in the Africa region for Standard Bank. Adrian has a BCom from WITS and an MBA from Bond University. A little known fact about Adrian is that when he was at university, he represented South Africa in an international business competition very similar to this one today. It took place in California and it was among 100, over 100 international universities competed for that prize and he led his team to second place in that competition. So he has a very good understanding of what we're doing here today and how our contestants feel. So with that, I'd like to introduce you to the judges and you can just say hello and tell us where you're dialing in from. So we'll start with Juliet. Hello, everyone. Thanks, Teresa. Great to be here. I'm dialing in from Lagos in Nigeria. Hi, Teresa. I'm Eric Osiakwan. I'm dialing in from Accra, Ghana. Hi, Teresa. It's Adrian Vermutten here and dialing in from the beautiful Cape Town. Sorry, Teresa, I'm here. I, I didn't press my mute when uh, I thought I was speaking and my mute was off. My apologies. Oh, wonderful. So that is Andile Nkawa, our fourth judge. We're glad to know that all four judges are in the house. Thank you, Andile. Our first contestant, as we've said, is Dr. Waliyadi Ocean with Welvis in Nigeria. Hello, my name is Waliyadi Ocean. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Welvis Health. Uh, since the outbreak of coronavirus and the subsequent spread across the world, uh, we have been disseminating information to the public and sensitizing the public on what to do to be safe and how to minimize and reduce infection. And when it became apparent that the disease was within our borders and it became a clear and present danger to Nigerians and Nigerians, we decided to build a tool over our existing solution that could help people understand their risk and subsequently get the information and education based on their outcomes. Um, the COVID-19 triage tool that was designed by Wellvis was designed using the official case definition by the NCDC. It uses responses to clinically and epidemiologically relevant questions to categorize users into low, medium, and high risk. With each risk category uh, then educated on what to do and the next steps to take as described by relevant public health authorities. Uh, the tool has helped to reduce curious callers and unnecessary calls to the disease control uh, call centers. Uh, thereby allowing people that actually and genuinely need to reach the centers be able to reach them faster. Overall, 
the tool um, is used as a quick risk assessment uh, solution for education and for faster decision making on COVID-19 by our users. Um, what we've been able to do from the data gotten from the tool is that we've been able to create real-time updates uh, and then cluster mapping that tracks and supports epidemiological research. Um, we have then connected this tool to our primary telehealth solution that provides users access to speak directly with verified doctors and other health workers for consultation, advice, and second opinion over a private and secure channel. Thank you. And Wale, um, you have one minute. All right, thank you very much. Um, since we launched the tool, over 500,000 people have used it. Um, and we've had access to the NCDC now, and we're working directly with the NCDC to have this tool on their platform so that users of the tool can get directly in touch with NCDC. Uh, we have also gone ahead to create a USSD version of the tool, which will be released shortly. Um, there's been an increase in the number of people that have wanted to reach out to the doctors on the platform. And we've also provided that, uh, we've used that opportunity to provide users with uh, more information through our social media platform and through the tool primarily. Um, so at this point, we're just hoping to get more people to use the tool and to know the risk that they have towards the disease now that it's within the community um, and then continue to provide information on prevention and on um, you know, uh, how to prevent the disease or how to get the disease. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where we are at this point. Um, thank you very much. We're going to go now to the questions from the judges. Thanks, um, Dr. Wale Adeoshum. Uh, good to hear about um, the uh, service. Just wanted to find out um, just a little bit more about the, the, the sort of impact that you create with the solution. So you mentioned that it helps you to assess your risk, whether you're low, medium, high. Is that through a, uh, a survey that you fill in when you go on? Can you just say a little bit about how does the tool actually how, um, how, is it how, how does it work? All right, so it's a set of questions the case using the case definition um, for the disease. So there are a number of questions, about 10 of them. Uh, the users then answer these questions. They're clinically relevant and epidemiologically relevant based on where they've been, the symptoms that they have. Then it sort of provides that using those uh, uh, questions to provide a metrics to, to give the risk level for each user. And then the risk levels are then provided with further information on where they, what they need to do. If they're low risk, that they're informed on uh, repeating the test in a couple of days, but at the same time, still do the things that are necessary to prevent. If they're high risk, they're provided with numbers and contacts and places that they could go to get tested or the conversations to have. If they're medium risk, but they have symptoms, but they haven't shown any, there hasn't been any exposure, they advise to talk to some of the doctors on the platform to just, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's not necessarily COVID related, uh, they just need to clarify or get information or um, um, just wrap up on whatever it is that they, they may be having at the time. So that's how it works. One last thing, since it's been launched, we've also worked with the NCDC to sort of uh, update on the questions and make them more relevant to, uh, based on the new information that we have about the disease. Question about viability. So tell me about the business model, um, how you make money and how you see this in the medium to long term sustaining the platform. All right, so primarily we're a telehealth company. Um, so it was, we've been doing this for some time, about a couple of months, even before Corona came around. Uh, and we have disease management tools and risk assessment tools for other conditions. But when Corona became, when COVID-19 became a very, you know, clear present danger in Nigeria, we knew it was important that we leverage on what we have existing 
to sort of uh, deal with that. Uh, the tool itself is not a paid tool. It's a simple and free tool. However, we leveraged or we, we, we built it on top of our telemedicine platform, which is uh, a business on its own, which is a profit generating business on its own. Um, so the tool as, a, as the tool on its own is not a business, quote unquote, but it's just one of the offerings of our platform, which is telemedicine, which is an opportunity to have conversations with um, with doctors to get access to primary health care physicians. Um, so yeah, that's where the business is itself. So how does it connect to the business in terms of if somebody is done the triage? How do you connect it to the business and how do they then? At the, after after you've done after you've done the triage after you've gone through the triage tool there's a there's a link at the at the end where the result is available to speak to a doctor if you would like to to uh, have a conversation or to book an appointment at any of the facilities that are on the platform uh, so it's just sort of like a funnel to that the tool was just our own um, solution our own add-ins or to flatten the curve how we could our own participation towards the the pandemic. So when I connect to the back end after the triage, you charge for that service. I'm trying to figure yes. it out. Yes, it, it's is, a, it, is, a it is a charge service when you want to talk to a doctor. The tool itself, using the tool is free. Um, anyone can use the tool from anywhere. We've had over 700,000 people use the tool. And then at the, at the last page of the tool, you can then connect. Uh, you can then uh, request to connect with the doctor to have a conversation, to get second advice, uh, second opinion or any kind of advice on COVID-related or non-COVID-related matters. What is the system built on? What, what technology are you using? I mean, what is the architecture to demonstrate scale? If you can briefly explain to me. Um, so we use a, uh, it's a web app. We've built a web app um, and it can be accessed from anywhere. We've also done a USSD version of it that still connects the back end. Um, sorry, I might not be able to go into details about the technical bit. Uh, we have a CTO who does a lot more about that, but primarily, it's uh, I think it's rather scalable from from the information that I have from him. Uh, but we have a we have a web app. We haven't built a we haven't built a traditional app yet. Uh, even for our telemedicine solution, we use just a a progressive web app. Uh, on yeah, thank you. Where is it a cloud-based solution or is it just in your normal server or no, it, infrastructure? It is cloud-based. We we use AWS. Um, I think yeah, we we use we use a cloud-based solution. It's in the cloud. Hi, um, Wally. It's Adrian here, <clears throat> and Hello, thank Adrian. you for the incredible work you're doing to save lives in Nigeria. Maybe um, my question was obviously going to be around where's the USSD version, um, which you talk about, because I think that'll certainly bring a lot of the scale. Um, can I can I just ask um, maybe maybe two questions? The one is um, zero rating of the charges. So if you're going to deploy a USSD solution, is it going to be free to consumers to use it? And maybe the second question is this massive pool of triage data that you are building, um, how is that being applied or monetized um, back into the um, NCDC and into other, uh, uh, into other local organizations, corporates, et cetera, to manage the, the outbreaks and hotspots of the disease? Thank you. 
Okay. Um, regarding the USSD zero rating, uh, thankfully we've been in talks with one of the partners in Nigeria, one of the telecom, uh, teleco, telco companies in Nigeria, and um, they have offered us a zero rating. Uh, offer, they've offered us to zero rate the platform and also even be data free when you access it via your platform. Uh, we're signing MOUs presently so that that would be available to the users. And as regards the data, we have also we're in talks with your, um, NCDC, and they built, they've uh, taken the platform, the tool, and put it on their platform on their website. And that should be launched in the next couple of days, I believe. Uh, so the, the the data will be going to the NCDC directly, and they can then start to use that to sort of direct their contract tracing, and also some sort of heat mapping um, of the of of the contact of of the risk of people with high risk or whatever risk that they might be searching for at whatever time. Uh, so directly, the data will be going to the NCDC, and uh, we're also in talks with uh, different state governments, particularly for Lagos, who would also be taking that information to the relevant public health authorities to sort of direct the contact tracing and uh, heat mapping also for the state specifically. Thank you, Wale. I should thank you for your presentation, and thank you, judges, for your questions. And now we are going to uh, move to our second contestant, Ayadlova, who is joining us uh, from South Africa. Hi, my name is Aya, and I'm a digital volunteer on Combat COVID-19 Africa platform. I'm currently locked down in my hometown of Butterworth in the old Transkei in the Eastern Cape, South Africa. As news of COVID-19 spread across the continent, government introduced lockdowns and other restrictions to help stop the exponential increase in the numbers of infections and to limit the total numbers of deaths resulting from this pandemic. The truth is no one knows what this pandemic will do and as medical researchers and experts are working tirelessly trying to come up with solutions or better yet, a cure, communities around the world are now subjected to living in fear and uncertainty as they don't know what will happen to their safety and health during this time. As a leader of digital culture, I have initiated a project that aims to use art therapy as a way to combat anxiety, depression, and mental health issues that people may be going through. The name of our project is called African Create. African Create is an online collaborative platform for African creatives to share ideas, trade skills, and work together on a variety of relief projects that are aimed at addressing some of these challenges. You may recall eight weeks ago a call from the United Nations and the World Health Organization inviting creatives to submit work that raise awareness or share insight and skills around the COVID-19 pandemic. Our response to this has been a platform that allows creatives to use sound, motion picture, color, and even spoken word in creating works that make this dire situation slightly more bearable for the people affected. Our aim is to create messages of hope and encouragement to the people on the front line and essential services worker and make sure that we use our creative skills to emerge as a stronger and more united nation post-COVID-19. Thank you. We will go directly to you for one minute of remarks. Thank you, Aya. Thank you. So we or oh, I actually started on the 1st of May uh, building the, the web platform for this. 
And since I've completed that, I've shared it now with a few creative networks that I've managed to, to get in touch with. Um, one example is Kindness Contagion, who actually released a song uh, and a video on Africa Day um, to, to help raise funds for artists that are struggling during this time. So we will be uploading that project or that video rather onto our platform. And also we've created some uh, social media pages that we've shared to people. And we are still in the process of reaching out to more communities across the continent to let them know about the platform. And hopefully um, over the next few days, we'll start to see some activity there where creatives are starting to create stuff and sharing them with their peers. Thank you. Wonderful, so we'll go to Q&A and we'll, we'll keep it going um, in alphabetical order for now. Juliet, will let you start. Uh, thanks, Aya, for that presentation. Um, my question is just uh, just to, to unpack a little bit uh, the impact that you've had so far. So as I understand it, this is a platform that supports creatives in creating messaging that can be uplifting and helpful to communities that are involved in fighting um, COVID-19. What sort of feedback or responses have you had so far, not from the creatives, but from the communities that are being impacted? Thank you for the question, Juliet. Uh, so far, uh, we've seen that people are actually excited about this idea. And I've actually had requests from people who say they are not as creative or as talented as some of the people I'm, I may be targeting, but can they also be part of this? And, you know, the whole concept of art therapy is for everyone. It, it doesn't have to be someone who who's really skilled, but someone can just use art as a way of releasing those negative emotions. So uh, I've been responding to, to those kind of questions too, where people are just generally interested in it. And also others are asking, um, is it only limited to musicians, digital artists, and, and uh, poets or spoken wordsmith? And I tell them, no, actually, even if you, you create um, other things such as maybe you can make homemade masks and you are willing to share tutorials on that, the platform is definitely for you to also share how you create stuff with what you have where you are. So, uh, so far we, we have been receiving some um, positive feedback from people that are interested and they, they are willing to just explore um, different ways of creating and uploading work onto the platform. Um, Aya, so uh, currently the platform is it's a web app right that's how people access it so how do you see it being viable going forward you hope to charge for it are you going to keep it free you know what's what do you think have you thought a little bit about what the business model could be if, to keep it you know make it sustainable thank you for the question eric well up to this point i've actually um as a volunteer myself uh, I thought of keeping it strictly free and um, accessible to everyone who's willing to volunteer and contribute on the platform. But of course, we do plan to keep the platform active even post COVID-19. Um, so people are still able to collaborate even when we have reasons to celebrate now and we're not going through such um, a gloomy situation. So for that, um, we are hoping to, to to keep it active and in that way the networks that creatives build on the platform are able to 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 be sustained and maintained for longer and also um, they are able to keep 
sharing like have an archive of you know this digital modern african art that's been created so yes we we do not plan to charge people membership or anything like that we want to keep it strictly volunteer and people can contribute where they feel that they can make a difference uh what technology are you using for this and uh can you explain scale how quickly can this scale i mean how many artists can you uh can you uh, recruit into the platform whether the back end is able to carry i mean that number of of artists and load of music or content so at the moment because of um you know the the quick um urgency of um solutions to this crisis we thought of or well, actually opted to use an already ex- existing web building platform called wix and with that it basically allowed me now to to quickly build the pages with the content that i wanted to share to the people but they actually have this now um plug in called file share which is where basically the magic happens on the website so with that it's um meant for organizations that have large numbers of employees that may want to Uh, maybe collaborate on projects for work but i i just took that and applied it into a creative context now where uh, i used that file share technology and just created subfolders with the different communities that we're looking at so it can um support quite uh, a lot of numbers up to 1000 people uh, i'm not sure if they can all log in at the same time but uh they can definitely upload and download and access the files um if they have a link to it and it could also be accessible on mo- on mobile also which is the the orientation i had in mind when i was building the the site the great work you're doing and i listen to the web and it just makes me think about the fantastic messages that you're encouraging people to load how does one what are your thoughts on getting that message out so you know radio's a huge channel in in our country and across the continent and just your thoughts on yes you're getting the input from creatives and they sharing amongst themselves but this huge need to uplift the whole community your thoughts about how do we scale access to the messages that are that are being loaded Thank you for the question Adrian. Um at the moment I have been um uh, as I've mentioned since um completing building the actual site and you know sharing the link for the few creatives to start uploading the next step now has been for me to see how I can actually get this work noticed by the relevant um bodies that will make use of it. So um I I do plan to write to organizations like the World Health Organization that have made the call out to creatives but more than that I have created social media pages pages and a, a channel for youtube where some of the projects that we kind of that stand out we will be um sharing them and and running campaigns and boosting those posts on our social media platforms to kind of share the work out some more and invite people to come and see what else has been happening on the platform so with the invite to now the different art communities and the bodies that are already in place i hope to get them um to regularly come in and check and see what's been happening and if they may find something that is relevant to their campaigns or which they may find interesting for them to use they are more than welcome to you with to to do so as long as they just credit the original um um author thank you very much for um for your presentation i another very interesting technology and with that we're going to move on to our third contestant who is loud bossing who is joining us from ghana thank you very much loud
Africa currently has over 100,000 cases of COVID-19 with over 3,000 deaths. Even as these numbers continue to rise daily, there's an urgent need for enhanced communication strategies that provide vulnerable populations with actionable information for self-protection. Policy formulation at the global and regional levels are currently hampered not only by lack of data sharing to stakeholders, but also because there is a great difficulty in rapidly detecting new cases. This is because in most countries, there are no mass testing or information sharing in communities, and these leave citizens confused and prone to conspiracy theories. Health workers find it difficult to know areas at risk, and so it becomes difficult to introduce targeted testing and interventions, whilst governments have to make good use of resources. All these issues make it very difficult to introduce adequate containment measures to combat COVID-19. We present a multifactorial, multi-country solution that incorporates screening at the community level, mass testing, validation, as well as resource transmission on a single platform called the COVID-19 Identification Testing, Tracking and Dissemination Solution, or covid Tracks. Citizens through their mobile phones can access screening questions either via a mobile application or a text and voice USSD available in several languages. Once a citizen inputs data, the screening algorithm will then immediately group the citizens uh, as well as their communities into low risk, medium risk and high risk. High risk communities and citizens are then mass tested using a, a rapid test kit that we have recently developed. While all of this is occurring, they are tracked using their mobile phone usage, and this is mapped out on a dashboard which is accessible to policymakers as well as stakeholders, such as uh, country COVID-19 management team. With COVID trots, countries will be able to ensure early detection of the disease, will be able to monitor the trend of the disease, and will also have enough information to inform strategic policy formulation and guidance. My name is Lord Anthony Basing, and I'm the CEO and founder of Incas Diagnostics. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Loud. And now we'll go to your one minute of, um, of remarks. Okay, thank you very much, Theresa. Um, with COVID Trust, there are three main user roles. Uh, we have the citizen, we have the health worker, and then the public administrator, or the government through the public administrator. Um, the citizen can, can report symptoms, take a screening test, and be able to view their results. Uh, the citizen can also receive feedback and uh, information from the health worker. The health worker can basically access the screening results. Uh, they can know the various risk areas, and they will be able to conduct mass testing using our rapid test kit, uh, and, and basically be able to also do an analysis. Um, they can also receive feedback from uh, the public administrator as well. The public administrator can view the data collected, view automated results analysis, and be able to report to uh, stakeholders like the WHO and, and other uh, uh, people. The dashboard is also available to policymakers uh, who, who are able to look at the results and be able to look at the analysis and be able to use real-time tracking to be able to make uh, informed decisions. Thanks, Loud. Great to hear your, um, about the invention. Uh, I just wanted to understand a bit more about the integration between um, the activity on the mobile app and <clears throat> rapid testing. So Good. you go through the app and you get uh, some assessment. Okay. I, do you have to physically then go to a testing center? And then do you record that back into the app? How does that tracking happen? Yeah, so okay. can you unpack that a little bit? As I explained, there are three users. So basically the first one is the um, citizen being able to input all the screening data. And once you do that, automatically you are, you are, you are categorized into either low risk, medium risk, or high risk. 
once you're high risk, a health worker will contact you and do masters. It's a rapid test kit, just like a pregnancy test that can actually be done on the field 10 minutes and you have your results. So basically the health worker that would know where you are based on your mobile phone usage and be able to do the test and then input the results. We've already developed the rapid test. So yes. It's, uh, so uh, very great innovation you've got there, especially on the rapid testing. Because one of the challenges is you know, how you get it. My question is on the viability. So how have you thought a bit about how, what is the business model? How does this work okay. uh, and, and that type of stuff? Good. So there are different levels where we can make money out of this. First of all, the rapid test on its own uh, uh, will be sold to people. So um, that is the first one. Secondly, um, basically this project was, was sponsored by the World Health Organization, uh, the whole platform. And so there's a high level uh, discussion with countries about adopting and that adopting it alone is, is where they will pay money to us basically uh, for country by country and all of that. So in each point and after this, uh, even it's, we can be adopted for other uh, conditions apart from COVID-19. And so in all of these levels, there are payments to us and we will be able to make money out of those. At the transaction level, I mean, how is the payment system? Is it connected to payment gateways or how is it structured? Okay, so um, basically because the health worker basically does a rapid test, it is the government, this is made basically for governments uh, and health uh, institutions. So they would basically have to buy the kits from us. Um, when the citizens, it will be free for citizens to be able to uh, uh, either USSD or download the app and use. So they, the citizens are not going to pay, but it's the hospitals and governments that would have to pay for the rapid test and for uh, adopting the, the platform to be able to use. Hi, Lord, um, and thank you for a, for a good presentation. I guess my question, and in the back of my mind, what keeps on going around my, my head is rapid test, rapid test. That's what everyone needs. So I'm, I'm kind of a little bit between at the moment the, the benefits. I understand the app, and many countries have apps, and they have... Um, you know, measures for hotspots. But just talk a little bit about the rapid test. Okay. Um, where are you on the rapid test? Where, um, I just look at some countries, you know, one, you can't get a test. Two is a private test costs actually a couple of hundred dollars. Three is uh, tests are running, you know, anywhere between three, seven, 10 days to get results from tests. So, so I'm, just, I'm just wondering whether the pivot in your business model is not towards being a mass producer of tests. What's holding you back from being a mass producer of tests? I do understand that the, that the app directs where you should actually focus the tests. Let's just talk about that. So actually, uh, Incas Diagnostics is a mass producer of tests. So we have a number of tests, including a COVID-19 test. So it was actually, so the company has actually developed a test which is currently going through FDA in, in Ghana. Uh, hopefully um, in the next few weeks, it is going to be approved for mass distribution. And we have a capacity to uh, produce about 50,000 kits per week. Uh, our, that's our current uh, capacity. However, with the app, we're actually uh, um, sponsored by the World Health Organization to develop uh, uh, an app and basically uh, as an integrated platform. And that is why the the testing is uh, the testing is part of the app. Otherwise, on its own, the, the company actually develops and manufactures uh, rapid tests. We have other rapid tests that we've developed, including the COVID nineteen test. What is uh, the health, uh, World Health Organization relationship that you have? Can you explain a little bit how that is structured? 
Is it a partnership? Is it joint venture? Are you just a, a sponsor? Is it a grant funding? Is it investment into your company? Okay, so it's not an investment, it's a grant. Uh, basically, I, I um, was in 2019, I was selected as one of the 30 innovators in health. In, in, in Africa, and as part of that, uh, I got to take part in the WHO uh, um, hackathon, which uh, my team and I won. And so part of the funds for the development of the, of the uh, app was from the uh, hackathon. We're given money to be able to move forward with the hackathon. And that is there for the app. And that is where we found we got money to develop the app. The test kit was actually done in collaboration with the Economic Mind University of Science and Technology, which provided funding. And so, uh, but then we, uh, uh, basically we have the 100% um, 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 right on the, on the kit. And so it's an integration between the two, the app and then the test kits. So there are a few dependencies. You have the health authorities, you have the citizen, you have government. Um, how do you see that impacting your ability to scale? Okay, so basically with a rapid test kit alone, the scalability is quite high because you're able to uh, get uh, everybody to be able to buy a kit and use. Um, with an with a app, basically, um, um, citizens can just, because of the USSD and then the voice and text, citizens can just basically download an, an app. There are a lot of people that are confused. Time's up. Okay. Thank you very much, Lark. Wonderful presentation. Thank you so much. Our next contestant is Jessica Shivanga from South Africa. So thank you very much. We will show your video now, Jessica, and get ready for your remarks. Jessica, you now have one minute for your remarks. Oh, great. Um, so I think it remains abundantly clear to us that solutions for, to address COVID-19 definitely need to require a collaborative and holistic approach. We simply cannot afford to work, you know, not to work together effectively. So what we're saying is individuals need to be empowered with the tools and knowledge to be vigilant about monitoring their own symptoms. That's why we designed the self-monitoring application on the app. Um, and then also what we added later on is the ability to share it with your doctor if you want to. Healthcare professionals now more than ever need to be more visible, more available, more efficient. And again, we've made it really easy to find doctors screening for COVID-19 on the app. But for doctors themselves, we've also automated a lot of the processes, especially those relating to referring to onward facilities like testing sites or hospitals. 
Um, we've also made it such that results can be sent directly to patients as well, if that needs to be the case. Um, when we learned that underlying conditions are a contributing factor to how badly COVID-19 might affect someone, we updated our, monitor, our remote monitoring feature to allow doctors to also monitor those underlying conditions in conjunction with Time's the up. Thanks for the quick movie. Um, I'm not sure I understand the whole capability within the app um, because I think there's actually more than you spoke about there. But can I just ask your, your, your thinking about um, how do you get it to a broader audience? So, so obviously app-driven is a, is, a, is a specific audience. Just your thoughts of, of what you're doing to get it to a broader audience? So I'll just give you a quick rundown on who the web-based platform and the app is catering for. So you've got individuals like you and me who can download the app and use that to monitor our own systems. Doctors can also, you can book screenings with doctors on the app itself. The web-based platform, which is where the doctors and the facilities sit, um, they're able to use it for, for example, doctors can refer patients onwards onto other facilities. And then anyone who's doing screening programs like governments or corporates that need to get their employees and, and back to work can also use the app to manage their employees um, on, in terms of just being able to do screenings, monitoring their condition, how, they are, how they're doing each day. And then of course we can use a lot of that data um, with population health insights that can help governments and employers plan more effectively as well. So those are the key people who can actually, or the key stakeholders rather, that we hope would benefit from the app. In terms of reaching our audience, because we are reaching so many different stakeholders, it does require quite a nuanced approach. So the app obviously is specific to people who have smartphones, you can download the app. Anyone who's a healthcare screen worker or for example, someone working for a corporate also would have a smartphone that they could use the platform on or you could use a desktop if you're a doctor. But I think the main thing for us here is just making sure that we have a message that's clear for each stakeholder so that they know exactly what they can use the app for um, and the web-based platform too. Tell me the, the technology you have used to, to do this and uh and how, I mean, how scalable it is and, you know, is this uh, privately hosted or cloud hosted and yeah. Um, so the web-based platform is cloud-based with AWS and built with PHP and Angular. That's the tech stack we've used there. And then on the patient app side, it's React Native. So for us, it's very highly scalable. For example, we get requests, um, people have been downloading the app and using it all over the world from New Zealand, I think Spain, South Sudan. Um, South Africa and Zim, obviously where we're already live. And then if doctors or other sort of institutions and governments are keen, we've also heard from people getting in touch with us. It's quite easy for us to scale up because as we said, it's cloud-based AWS. And we've also made sure we've built it to, to cater for large numbers of people using the app at the same time. Teresa, I'd like to start by suggesting that we consider nominating this movie for the Oscars. So this has our contribution to the arts. So, but with that taken care of, my question is, so uh, give me a little bit about sort of how people pay for the service. How do you make money out of it? What's the business model? Yeah, so um, it's actually free for any individual who downloads the patient app. We've, we did that consciously because we're really passionate about um, making sure that healthcare is accessible to all, especially in COVID-19 when we all need to have the capability to you know, monitor ourselves and be vigilant about doing so. Um, it's also free, the core platform at least, um, with a lot of great features I've already mentioned for our um, primary healthcare practitioners, so GPs. And then the model for us really is to charge basically in terms of maybe specialists as well as governments and corporates um, on a license uh, based on the number of licenses required. In other words, how many employees 
or what's the general population of people that they're screening. That's how we competitively might add. Good to see your presentation, Jessica. Um, a question about the usage. How, how, how many downloads do you have so far? What's the level of engagement on the app? So I would say we went live probably, probably around end of March this year. Um, we've had over a thousand people, and I say people, I mean patients downloading the app. So that's people monitoring their symptoms. And then in terms of doctors on the platform, just bearing in mind that we're only live in South Africa and Zim proactively, we've got over 100 doctors, just over 100 doctors. And then Thank we're you. also piloting it in the facilities, the testing facilities as well. Can you tell me, uh, you know, how composed your team is? Um, it looks like you have tentacles beyond South Africa. So do you have team members out there, you know? Um, actually, all of us, we, we are a Pan-African team, but we're based in South Africa. So that's the co-founders, the four of us, Gaza, Fry, uh, Robbie, and I. Um, and then we also have a great team that we work with, our product manager developers. They're mostly South African based as well. Um, but we're very fortunate also to have, because we work everything we do in terms of what we design and why we do what we do, we work in partnership with doctors. We do have um, a clinical advisory board and they are scattered all over the um, doctors and professors, essentially. It's Adrian here, Jessica. Hi, Adrian. So again, just your thoughts on who are your key partners that are going to help you scale? Um, what's the what's the kind of thing that brings the next big step? If you had to sign a deal with um, Department of Education, so that all students were, what are your critical one or two milestones that will change the trajectory of this of this um, web and, and app? Um, so for us, I think for COVID nineteen and then more broadly, the key players will always be your sort of Department of Health. Um, they're really great departments to work with, primarily because they're going to be responsible for the large scale screening interventions across the continent. And we already know that the you know, different countries are, are, are doing this successfully to varying degrees. So definitely government um, departments are one. Then big corporates, so any corporate that's literally willing to send an email and say, hey guys, the app's already free and live. Check it out, download it, monitor your own symptoms, as well as corporates willing exactly. to pay for it from a... Um, from a management point of view for screening. Thank you very much, Jessica. Great presentation. Okay, and now we're going to go on to Mary Mwangi. Mary is joining us from Kenya today, and we will start by showing Mary's video. So please, let's let it roll. Riding in Angaya was such a breeze. It's not easy to plan your trip. In today's age, I should not be queuing for a month. I should see and book a bus. Nuko ni meka tuka office. Pia fair height zitapungua. Cause hakuna kupanga lines kukinyesha. We used uh, blackboards and even phone calls to schedule buses on our stage, which was so tedious. A PC trip planner in a change game. It's user friendly and very very easy to use. Napata hata reports. Pop. Before he a pest trip planner, tulikuwa tunafanya everything on paper. Tulikuwa tunatumia Wavewheel to record trips na do. Sai naona ile namba ya gari iko kwa line na pia nafanya ma offload kwa simu tu. Na mdosi anapata ripoti papo hapo. He a pest trip planner has given me peace of mind. I am able to monitor and access my vehicles wherever I am. Biashara zangu zote sasa zinapata attention. Fare, location, trip, CCTV, TV zenye zimerikwa, kila kitu. Sasa naona biashara 
itasika. The use of intelligent transport system that relays real-time data for the sake of planning and management is key to solving the traffic problems we are having in Nairobi. Traffic jams are costing us big time. The only way is to use technology. Data Integrated understands the problem. We have a custom locally made solution, the Epesi Trip Planner. The system has vehicle positioning, smart cameras, and uses smart data to schedule, advise, and organize bus companies and circles for best times and road planning. It will help decongest the city, cut the kills. Commuters will enjoy blissful rides. Who doesn't want that? We want to sort out the traffic mess right now. We have the solutions right here. Join us. So now we're going to go to Mary for your one minute of comments. Thank you um, for having me. Hello, everyone. Uh, as you've seen, we really are data integrated, the company, and we work a lot in the public transport sector, trying to sort out the informal public tra transport sector we have in Nairobi and in Africa in general. And our solution is actually very relevant at this time of COVID-19. What we are doing is what you saw was about the drivers, the owners, and how they can plan and uh, manage their buses and their schedules. So now what we have brought, what we are bringing into the market right now is a passenger app now to also give the same power to the passengers. So now they don't have to make the long lines to get on the buses. They can use social distancing. They can book their trips. They can see where their buses are going when they are coming in. They can also use, um, all this information like that. Uh... I think that was one minute for Mary. So we will now go to Q&A and Adrian, we'll start with you. Hi, Mary. Thanks. I look forward to a lot less traffic in Nairobi. Mary, your, um, your thoughts about how you can combine the um, passenger and the driver app to assist with um, track and trace. So obviously public transport is a, is a very big concern about, about social distancing and a group of people traveling together in a bus, they're in a confined area for a, quite a while as the bus navigates through the traffic of Nairobi. Um, what, is, what is your app going to do to help um, track and trace? So basically what our app does, we have two sides to the app. We have the driver's app and we have the passenger app the passengers are able to book the bus that they're gonna get into and you're able to see where you'll be sitting on the buses because we have the security cameras and the accounting camera that can actually show where you actually, what kind of seat you took on the bus, who was next to you and when you actually took the bus. It also allows the driver that are registered on our platform to use the driver's app to know which passengers got on the bus. So they can actually interact with the drivers app, especially when it comes to the cashless payment, they will be able to make uh, payments through the app. So this way we are able to know who actually got on the bus, what kind of payments, the time that they rode on the bus, where they alighted, when they got in, we can see all that information. Hi, Mary, Andile. Hi. Uh, tell me, what other forms of products you could derive from your data that you collect? I mean, have you thought about that as 
you know, how would you use the data you collect to build more products? Okay, so some of the products, we actually have several products that we have built uh, around these uh, transportation systems. So some of it that we use is the where people are going. So you're able to use that data to plan the trips, to know which buses need to be scheduled when. That is one of the ways you can use the data. And you can also see how much traffic is on the road. You can give passengers the information of the congestion, how long does their trip take to get to where they're going. You can also use this same platform to kind of create like a control center and you can give this to uh, county governments where they can actually now manage the bus and traffic system within the city. You can know which routes need more buses so you can extend the routes, you can uh, make it much easier for people to actually know which is the shortest route to where they're going. There's lots of different ways you can use this information, including the payment part also. It can kind of also tell you who is paying when, where, that kind of thing. Thanks, Mary. It was a great presentation and a great video. Um, so sort of how do you make this viable? How do you make money? Sort of talk me a bit through the business model uh, of how this works. Okay, so the system works in, we make money in three different ways. One of the things we do is we, for using the platform as the businesses, we do sell software as a service. So every touch point that we give available to the businesses, we will charge a monthly fee. We also have the cashless payment on the payment platform. And for that, we share transactions with the uh, operators. These are the banks and the mobile money providers. And we also have the devices that we are selling for our markup price. One of the challenges you mentioned in relation to COVID during your presentation was social distancing. I see how this solution addresses scheduling and um, time saving. Can you speak to um, any impact on social distancing? Okay, so two things it does. Because people are lining up to get on the buses, it does provide that pre-booking of the bus so you don't have to do the lining up. And sometimes because the city and the areas where they have to line up are not that big, the spaces are not that big, people are still cramped together more than they should be. So this allows people to be kind of not being on the same line to get on the bus. You know which bus you're getting on and you can get in. The other thing it does, we have a counting camera on the buses. And so it limits the number of people that can get on the bus. You can know when the number has been reached, you can, you can limit that. Uh, that's another way that you can do that. And then another thing that we are doing on the side, we're also doing education and we are putting out posters with the local transport authority where we are putting the hand washing stations and we are also now doing the education to the drivers and the conductors on the importance of social distances. They still will pull someone who is trying to come on the bus because they're looking for customers and they're like, hey, come on, get in the bus. And they're still touching them and trying to, you know, not distance themselves from such things. So the education also that we are currently providing is helpful in that case. What is the take up at the moment? Uh, on Obviously buses and then I understand you're still building the app for the consumer. Can you just talk to take up and penetration? Okay, so we actually have completed the app for the consumer. We were about to launch it earlier on back in March. 
but then there was the whole uh, lockdown, semi-lockdown, and so the buses had kind of pulled off the road. So right now we are looking to putting it back in the market uh, next month. And so we have quite a big uptake. We have over 40 bus companies on our platform and they are very willing to use this, uh, this solution on their buses and because it's helping them in terms of uh, Thank you, Mary. Compliance. Time's up. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mary, for your video and for, for your Q&A. Dede Tunkara, who joins us from Cote d'Ivoire. Thank you very much, Dede. Good luck. How do you find out how many cases of a given disease exist in a city? What about a country? The truth is, if you don't search for them, you can't find them. And how can you contain a disease when you don't know where it is? Here, in Abidjan Côte d'Ivoire, the site of Maison's headquarters, when someone is sick, their best option is to go to the nearest health center. However, for a person with COVID-19, the path from their home to a health center increases the risk of transmitting the disease to others. On average, a person infected by COVID-19 contaminates three others. What if there was a strategy that allowed health system to be informed of a suspected case before they even left their house? That's where Miss One comes in. We utilize concept of active surveillance to identify patients at their homes in order to limit transmission and increase containment of COVID-19. We do this by providing free digital pre-screening tests that anybody can use whenever they want, even without access to the internet. Based on their response, we determine their risk level. If a response comes back as a high risk, we pass those cases along to the government national response team, allowing them to follow up with further testing. However, someone who is free of COVID symptoms might want the peace of mind of getting tested. Maison also has a vast network of health professionals spread throughout Abidjan. When someone wants a test or more in-depth evaluation, Maison identifies the nearest health professional in our network and mobilizes them to visit the patient at their home. Maison was founded as a social enterprise by myself, Lidizina Boutoumtaha, and Marco Meho, both of us with backgrounds in public health and organizational management. We hope to redefine public health in Cote d'Ivoire through efficient preventive strategy and our vast network of local health professionals providing quality health services in the patient. Uh, my partner and I witnessed firsthand the positive impact of one of the largest active surveillance programs in the world. The idea for Maison was sparked while thinking of how to apply community-based surveillance concept to impact a wider range of disease. An essential strategy used by, country to, by countries to control COVID-19 has been mass testing. The number of tests in Cote d'Ivoire needs to increase quickly in order to better understand the epidemiology of the disease. Through pre-screening, Maison identifies high-risk people and then allows for at-home testing. Our methods involving minimum contact allows to limit transmission. We believe that Maison has the potential to drastically increase targeted testing, resulting in a more efficient use of government resources. This isn't a challenge addressable only for Cote d'Ivoire, but can be applied in Africa and throughout the world. The question is, if you aren't searching for a disease, how can you be certain it is not there? Really a, a clear, very clear presentation. Just, um, you speak about its applicability in Cote d'Ivoire and, and broader. Um, talk a little bit on the platforms that it's built and how, um, how customers can access it from their home. From their home, a customer have access to pre-screening 
either via USDD, US, USSD um, protocols or via the application. They can take the questionnaire and determine their uh, risk level. Once that is done, if they are at high risk, um, they either go to a health center, but when they don't have the ability to go to that health center or they prefer to stay at home, we detach a health professional that is the nearest to their home to go do the, the testing at their home. So, I mean, how applicable is this uh, to the, in uh, rural settings, uh, say outside Abidjan or any other environment? Would this still be applicable where there's limited networks? So uh, for now, like we're focusing on the epicenter of the disease in Cote d'Ivoire, which is, but we also have option that can be applicable uh, SSD code. Uh, it would be possible to include people that um, don't have smartphone and don't have access to internet. And, um, and that will be the way that we include low-income uh, communities. How do you make money? So what's the viability, you know, if you talk to that a little bit and how your numbers are looking, what numbers have you recorded within this period of COVID-19? Okay, so our business model is a freemium uh, type of business model, which means that we provide the pre-testing for free and we charge a small fee for the at-home uh, testing if they need a blood test. Right now, we uh, haven't started activities. We are still looking uh, forward to get approval of the government on uh, patient uh, data uh, uh, safety. And, uh, and that's the reason why. Thanks for the presentation, Dede. What would you say is the biggest impact you've seen from this solution? So our impact is, um, is, uh, is going to be uh, potentially uh, huge in the way that we, all the services we're providing um, allows for the patient to remain uh, isolated at, uh, at their home. So it will limit the spread of, uh, of having them um, leaving their house and seeking healthcare in a health center. Um, by having at-home care, and also um, we we uh, we allow the government to target and prioritize um, testing of high-risk people, and uh, through all of our, of our intervention, we will also have a preventive impact uh, by educating the population even when they're low risk. On the payment mechanism, so so I, I do see a, a lot of. Um, in fact, in some previous research I've done in Cote d'Ivoire, I don't think people would leave home without their medical card. So medical is a, is a, is a very big thing for, for people in, in Cote d'Ivoire. Um, how, how do you recover your payment? You said you earned a small fee for a, referring a, a doctor or a, a healthcare worker. So um, how do we make money? We make money by charging them uh, when they want at-home testing. So we send an actual like, health professional at their house to do the blood test. So this is where like, uh, we would make money. Uh, we, we plan on collecting the money via mobile money. So receiving the payment before the health professional goes to the, the person's house. Thank you. Is it regulated uh, or does it operate outside regulations? Um, we're currently discussing with a um, government official to get approval uh, for for collecting patient data and and determining that what's the best way to store those information. Tell us a bit about how you're going to scale this. Obviously, you build this in Africa, which is French speaking, 
are you going to focus on French speaking region? Are you going to Anglophone? So is it French, English, you know, that type of stuff? For now, we, our next big step would be to expand to other cities of Côte d'Ivoire and uh, eventually the region. So preferably like French speaking country, but we can definitely adapt our model to English speaking. So you a tech person yourself, you have a tech team that is developing this, is it develop it locally? Uh, the technology, do you develop all this in-house? Me and, my, and the co-founder of Maison have a strong background in public health, uh, program management, and uh, active surveillance system. Uh, we also work with uh, our CTO, takes care of everything, app, uh, app development. I'm well, thank you. Thank you very much. I think we've had six fantastic presentations from six wonderful entrepreneurs across the continent, and we thank you for submitting your um, videos and for going through the Q&A with us today. So let me tell you what we're going to do from this point forward. Um, we've now heard from these six and we have promised that the audience will have an opportunity to vote. So we're going to get the poll ready and we're going to ask you to vote. After that, we're going to hear a bit from our judges. We will spend about 10 minutes with the judges and then the judges are going to go, we're going to end the webinar and the judges will go off and deliberate. We will announce the winner today on social media, by email, and it'll be posted to our website within hours of when we conclude. We are going to go to audience voting, and we are, I will remind the audience um, what the scoring criteria are. We ask you to think about how clearly the entrepreneur has explained their business. We ask you to think about the impact that they will have, how innovative they are, whether they can scale, and how viable their business is. So we will take the poll from the audience and the judges will then go off. They have been scoring throughout the process. They will discuss the scores that they have already given to the candidates. And they will then take into consideration the audience's view and they will come up with one winner. Vote for contestant one, two, three, four, five, or six. Which one do you think should be the winner based on clarity of business description, impact, innovation, scale, and viability. I think that we are going to go ahead and end it. I think that we have gotten pretty much every last vote that's come in there, maybe one or two, but I think that the, um, it, it's quite clear where we are. So I'm going to end the poll now and tell you that we really have you know, pretty much a three-way tie, which is pretty remarkable, um, between Wally, Laud, and Mary. Um, they all, it's between 22, 23, and 24%. Um, Laud has 24%, Wale has 23%, and Mary has 22%. So that's a pretty tight range there. That's based on the audience vote. So this is not the final vote. I want to remind everyone of how this works. The audience vote will count for 25%, and the judges, their scoring will count for 75%. So it's not over. Let's hear from the judges now. Let's go to the judges and see what the judges have to say. Uh, why don't we go alphabetically? We'll start with Juliet. Juliet? Thanks, Teresa. Just wanted to say uh, thanks to all the presenters. It's been great listening to the brilliant innovations and just uh, seeing our African, um, uh, I would say inventors, just really thinking outside the box. 
Um, currently, we have a, a real issue with the COVID pandemic, but on the flip side of every issue is an opportunity. And I hope the spirit that you have demonstrated here can be taken even outside of this in looking at addressing other challenges that we have on the continent. In my mind, you're all winners. Um, uh, so whether you're announced as the final winner or not, I think you can really be proud of coming this far. And I just really um, hope that you'll continue to um, you know, hone the skills, um, drive these uh, solutions through. And um, I really wish you every, every success and look, look forward to hearing about your stories, stories of impact and uh, uh, stories of success. So, so I'll start by first uh, acknowledging that all these innovations are pretty incredible. Um, and I think that include, in addition to those who didn't make the short list of six that we just saw, you are all have the potential to change the world, right? Because at the end of the day, the market determine who is the best innovation and the market in Africa is ready for as many innovations as possible. So I want to encourage each one of you to go out there and start implementing your um, solutions, your innovations, even if you didn't make this. And for the six that presented, one of the things that struck me is that uh, the three females had the best presentation, including the movie script and all the stuff, right? The men didn't do well with their presentation. So I think that is quite a resounding uh, from, from where I say. A presentation is very important in this game, the way you present the innovation that you created. So the fact that you guys took the chance to present your stuff uh, in movies and in scripts and in uh, animation, I think that was pretty powerful. Um, the last thing that I'll say is regarding for every business, you have to think about viability and most of my question has been around viability. So I believe that COVID-19 presented, it's, it's, a, it's a pandemic, it's a catastrophe, but I believe that in life, you know, catastrophes present opportunity to, to create outliers, right? So to look at the this as an opportunity for you to do something that will change the world and will create positivity. And that's why I keep asking the question about viability beyond COVID-19, you become the next great startup coming out of this. So um, that would sort of be my last encouraging words to all of you to think about how you make this real in the real world post COVID-19. By all means, COVID-19 is a chapter, we're gonna go past it. I, I just want to address, you know, both uh, the panelists, uh, Wale, Aya, Lord, and Jessica, Mary, and Didi. Thank you very much, guys, for spending time and prepare and talk to us. We, we really appreciate this. I can see you, all of you have prepared thoroughly. I just want to say, you know, uh, colleagues, we have a, a population of 1.3 billion people in the continent. Please, we must always be mindful of that. And that every time we think about a solution, we need to think about the billion people plus we have in the continent. And, and therefore, it, require, it requires us to think about technology that we use to build these platforms. Open source, cloud, because we have to think about a market of a billion people. That, that's what I would honestly say that as you continue to advance your work, look at, look, always remember, we have a continent of 1.3 billion people and we have to present products, solutions and services for that. To the audience, thank you very much. I think uh, you, you are a great audience and uh, really thank you for, for listening and participating in this. Thank you and uh, thanks Mary, thanks uh, everybody and thanks Aya, thanks Didi. 
and uh, that's it for me. Thanks so much, Teresa. And I, and I guess like um, everybody, an incredible privilege to spend our afternoon um, amongst such great entrepreneurs with such a passion for um, the challenges we face globally at the moment. So, so that's just really humbling to be part of that. And thank you to you, Teresa, to Africa.com, um, to the six panelists, and obviously to the audience. Um, I think you are all amazing and I wish you the best of luck with your initiatives because I do think you are going to save lives and I think that um, the opportunity that COVID presents us is, is really something that we can all make a difference, whether big or small. What I wanted to, to note is, and, and I'm going to ask you to think about it in, in in the context going forward generally, not just in the in COVID scenario. But the first thing is the confidence, speed and urgency with which you're all working. And whether we are in a COVID pandemic or post COVID pandemic, just that energy and confidence to work really, really fast, I think is a, is a significant learning that we have to take out of the current times and just make sure we don't lose that, um, that ability to, to very quickly um, conceptualize, understand needs and solution and builders, as some of my colleagues have said. Then I think that although everyone's trying to pilot in their home market, I think Andile touched on it, this is, this is a global pandemic. This is your opportunity to use tech to solve globally. This, um, this is not a Ghana problem or a Cote d'Ivoire. It's a, it's a common problem that we're trying to solve across the continent. So I would ask you to think big. Think the billion in Africa and think the whole, the whole globe. Um, I do think Eric touched on it. You've got to be commercially um, wise and astute. And, and don't, don't forget that COVID gives us huge, huge opportunities. And then just what is your applicability post-COVID? Because COVID too shall pass. And you want to be relevant post-COVID as well um, to have a really great sustainable business. So I wish you the best of luck, Kualiaya, Lord, Jessica, Mary, Dedi. Uh, you had a fantastic afternoon. Well done. You were well prepared and I certainly enjoyed being here with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Juliet, Eric, Andile, and Adrian. I don't think that there's anything left for me to say. We have very wise judges who have said everything that could possibly be said. Um, we thank you and salute you to the, uh, to the finalists. So, um, as mentioned, we will send the judges off to deliberate and we will announce the winner. As I said, if you're registered, you will get an email today with the winner's name um, and we will put it on social media and it will be posted to the virtualconferenceafrica.com website. Uh, we'd like to thank Standard Bank for their leadership as our platinum sponsor. We'd like to thank Maine One and we'd like to thank TD Bank. And today for this session, we'd like to again thank Angel Fair Africa the organization that Eric Osiwakwan um, founded and who brought us all these wonderful entrepreneurs. So thank you for today. We look forward to seeing you next week at the same time. Judges, I will see you on the private line where we will go and I will listen to you deliberate 
so that we can figure out who the winner to today's contest has been. We'll see you in that private room shortly. Thank you to everyone. Bye-bye. We are very happy to tell you that you have been chosen as the winner Brilliant oh, African Innovations Against COVID-19. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh my God, thank you so much. I'm really, really grateful. I'm really grateful. Yeah, well, you're, it was very clear among the judges and in the audience that your innovation has significant impact, not only in Africa, but around the world, it has the potential to scale so and save lives everywhere. Thank so. you so much. I, I am grateful for the opportunity, and it, this is this is big news for my company. I am really grateful. I, I appreciate this. Well, we're very grateful to you for all that you're doing to make a difference. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just ecstatic. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, this happens to me every time. I'm kind of not expecting it, and then I get it, and I'm like, over the moon. I am so grateful. Well, good. Well, we will be in touch and follow up with email to make sure you get, you know, your money, your mentoring session with Professor Kana and um, the media package. We'll make sure that we get the word out about the good work that you're doing. See you. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Well, thank you very much for joining us for today's competition. As you know, it was highly competitive. I don't think we in any way anticipated it uh, to be as competitive as it was and so close. So the judges have met and we have decided to um, award a second prize, which is um, going to be split and tied. And you are one of the second prize winners. So we are here to tell you that. Great, thank you. That's exciting. Yes, it is. You should be very excited about that. Um, and so what we're doing is you will have a chance to um, get 250 US dollars. You will be mentored by the judge from Standard Bank, Adrian Vermeulen, and a team from Standard Bank. Okay. And Africa.com will provide you with a $2,500 media package to make sure we get the word out about your good work. We want it to go straight around the world and we will do that for you. Amazing. Thank you. That's amazing. Great. Thank you. I'm excited. Well, we are too. Congratulations. Well earned. We know that the work you're doing is so important and will affect every part of Africa and every part of the emerging markets where these sorts of tuk-tuks are used, which we know is many, many places. And we just really want to support the great work that you're doing against COVID-19. And, um, and we're thrilled to be able to, to award this prize to you. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so we'll be in touch okay. offline and uh, we'll get you everything you need to make sure we deliver everything we promised. Okay, great. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Now you've won a prize tied for second place. Oh, great. Thank you very much. That's great. That's great news. Yes, so you will also get $250 and you will be mentored by Juliet, the head of Google Nigeria. And we oh, will great. do a $2,500 media package to support your work and make sure that the world knows about all the important things you're doing. This is really great news. Thank you very much. Um, it's really interesting because when we built the tool, it was just to serve as a 
our own contribution to making things easier for Nigerians. And the 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 reaction we've gotten from around the world has been really helpful and it's really shown that we have something here. And um, I'm really thankful for this opportunity. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. And we'll be in touch by email to make sure we make all those things happen, that we get the money to you and that we get um, the uh, support that we promised from Africa.com. And quite importantly, we'll connect you to, to Julia, the head of Nigeria. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll be looking forward to your email. Thank you, Wally. And congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.